RadioInfluence.com. Why, Crusher, it's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 101260 with your questions, comments, or smart ass remarks. Welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Hey, if you want to reach out to us, questions, comments, smart remarks, we love them all. Get to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is the email. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and on all other social media platforms. You can search out Crush Performance and find us there. Okay, let's get to it. We've got a big conversation today, and we're joined by one of the Crush all-time favorites as we preview the NHL and the NBA season with our good friend Alan Mitchell, a.k.a. Low Tide. You can check out his great stuff at lowtide.ca. He is a hockey columnist for The Athletic and, of course, the host of The Low Tide on TSN. Al, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate it, Jeff. I appreciate coming on. Your kind of publicity is the kind of publicity I need more of. So I'm glad to be (laughs) Well, you got it, my friend. You got it. Well, actually, I'm pretty excited to have you on here because at the start of every season, we kind of like to do a preview of teams, players, and storylines to watch. And Al, here's my first question for you. Can you be a serious fan of all sports? It's almost overwhelming. I'm looking at the hockey landscape and the NBA landscape. We just did the NFL with, with Connor uh connor howley and and man oh man the mlb's wrapping up of course and i'm pretty on a uh, pretty on cue i'm pretty on point with my mlb picks and storylines but boy boy there is so much to pay attention to i think i think it is impossible i'll tell you why because back in the old days you could uh buy the hockey news and read it cover to cover in you know a few hours, and you were pretty much updated on on not just the NHL but all the junior leagues. And but now you know if you're if you're really involved, the the average fan uh, is is so knowledgeable about not just the the current NHL team, say, but the minor league team, the players who have been drafted and are percolating and matriculating up to the uh, NHL level and will be here in a few years. Uh, they know the draft strategies. Uh, they're mad about the free agent signings. They know everything. They, they know backward and forward and have an opinion and a strong, informed opinion on things. So if you're going to go uh, into that realm and you're going to talk with any kind of authority, you have to know all of that and hopefully a little bit more that keeps people entertained. So doing that with with hockey and you know maybe a summer sport i think is possible but but hockey basketball football baseball soccer now which is massive yeah it's 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 huge jeff it really is and then you throw in the college sports and mercy 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 it's too much and yeah, it's fantastic it though it's fantastic though oh, so yeah. So, and I love this time of year uh, for for sports that are getting underway. It's such an exciting time for everybody. So, we're going to get into it. But before we do get into the NHL, I've got a couple questions for you. Um, sure. Number one, from the baseball world, um, a Rosarina, the Tampa Bay, just an incredible anomaly in sport with one of the lowest payrolls in that game. Um, they have continued to sort of take over for the A's as one of those teams. It's just making it happen. A Rosarina steals home base. You know, with uh, with I think maybe two out, but they were up four four nothing, um, and uh, they win the game five nothing, uh, game one against Boston. I just want to talk to you about that stealing of home. I called it just 
a legendary move, but there's been some criticism around that as well. Well, I think two things. Number one, the shift was on. So one of the ways that an offense can make a defense rethink its strategy is by taking advantage of things like that. So if you have your third baseman towards shortstop, then the, the runner at third has no worries. He can beat that, that third baseman back no matter what happens. If it's a foul ball, it doesn't matter. But even if it's a like a line drive, I think there were two outs anyway. So there's even less danger there. So it was the perfect situation, uh, perfect storm for a stolen base. Secondly, as always, you've got a lefty pitcher who uh, didn't seem to be in, in any way hurrying himself. There was no way he was you know uh hurrying the, the the pitch to the plate so it was a perfect scenario they they clearly had him timed and the i was shocked when i when i watched that again i was shocked by how much of the base he had stolen before it, it was released from the pitcher's hand oh yeah like that's that's an amazing stolen base and we'll be talking about it for a long time because i think anytime you steal a base it's a home base it's it's a brazen move but in this particular case uh, you know, you're you're up by four, which is a good lead, but it's not a astronomical lead. In the following inning, Boston loaded the bases. Exactly. So, you 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 know, I think you know, I, I think that you're always aware that four runs is a significant lead, but not a insurmountable lead. You could even do that in one inning. And if you look at baseball history, oftentimes the team that wins a game scores more in one inning than the other team will score in the entire game. So that that you know, the final score ends up being one thing, but that stolen base did have importance to Tampa Bay. And I just give them, like, it's typical of Tampa Bay. They're, they're, they're basically money ball on speed right. and they're, they do everything they can to beat you. And uh, I, like, if I'm a rich, rich owner, like if I own the Yankees or the Boston Red Sox or whomever, and I'm watching this in one way, I'm just, I'm so impressed but in another way it's a little galling to watch a, a, a team that's spending so little little on salary to do what they've been doing for and, and look they'll have to rebuild because these guys are going to get paid but they seem to be able to do it as needed and and you have to give tampa bay all kinds of credit and and what a great moment in sport like that's that's what everybody's talking about today yeah really no i was fascinated by it and you're right I, the thing that really intrigues me about tampa bay um, not to get into baseball too deep here, but I think we're slipping away here, Al, um, is they're almost using analytics against analytics, right? I mean, that is yeah. just any, there's not an analytic person on the planet that would support that move, but you're right. He was, he was a third down the baseline before that pitcher even went into motion. So um, I love it. And and my motto in baseball, especially in the postseason, is make hay while the sun is shining. If you've got a chance, <laughs> let's do it. So um, the Tampa Bay also has, I think, uh, the most attempts at stolen bases this year in the league. They also have the most uh, throwouts, outs, uh, stealing, but it's paid off for them. So I wanted to get that one for you. And then the other one out really quickly before we get into it, and this sort of leads us into the hockey talk, the Edmonton Oilers, preseason. Zach Cassian, are you kidding me? I just, I just... Ah, I, you know, you talk, I don't get it. I just don't get the risk factor there. This is one that's really perplexing to me. Well, I think first of all, they, they have to, again, this is an individual who's had injury issues and, and somewhat recently, like in, in terms of his life term uh, recently and, and concussions are really a worry. And, and once his helmet comes off, I, I know this is going to sound, you know, like too conservative, but I do think you should stop the fight like everybody has to 
start with his helmet comes off. Now it's a different fight. Yeah. And you, you can say, Oh, well, he won't fall, but he did. And, and you know, I remember, I remember when Nick Kiprios w- got hit with a punch and he was out standing on his feet and, and he, he fell on his face. Like he just fell big man, tall man fell. And there was all kinds of damage and it ended his career. And, and, you know, I want to go and I want to watch a sport and I want to see athletes play at the peak of their ability. And I know there's going to be danger involved watching Connor McDavid skate. There's danger involved. I get that. And it's exciting, but I don't want somebody to have any like a uh, concussion or some kind of brain issue because of me wanting to watch a sport. So I think it gets to the point where uh, uh, Something like that occurs, and I don't. I would prefer not to see it in the game. So whatever you have to legislate, whether it's once the helmets come off, well then you can't fight, uh, or or uh, they the the referees are asked, which is not fair, but are asked to step in earlier. Uh, those are two big men; they can handle themselves if they're in control of their bodies. But when Cassian fell, he had no control and he had no protection. Right. And I think I think that you know I would prefer. If, if I were king of the world, I would prefer that that doesn't, that you make sure you just say, okay, if somebody throws a punch, once the helmet's off, then they're out of the game and maybe we suspend them for several games. I like you can't that. have that, you yeah. know? No, that's, yeah. that's a great comment. Now I really actually like that rule. I'm going to propose that to the uh, NHL because I think that's really, really smart. And that'll have a trickle down effect as well because it always does down to the developmental leagues as well. So here's my other question on that in that circumstance. And it's a preseason game. Does Zach Cassian have to prove that? Does he have to do that to prove himself in the preseason? This didn't have to happen for him to prove himself, did it? Or, or do you think that he's doing that to maybe just show his value to the team as the rosters are about to be cut down here? Well, I think that particular game uh, was was really on the edge. There was an early play where a young uh, Vancouver winger slid into the goal crease and, and – uh, I don't think it was his head. I think I think Mike Smith, his neck probably was was caught a little bit, and and that that raised the ire of the Oilers. And from then on, it was it was game on. It was yeah. very physical and very nasty. But in hockey, nasty is a slash, right? Right. Uh, it was it was beyond that. And and uh, I think Cassian did challenge uh, McEwen, the the Canuck player. So he he probably did that because he wanted to send a message. And that is his role, unfortunately, uh, in hockey is to, to, you know, he's one of the guys who has to step up and say, look, you guys, you, you, you know, leave these guys alone or we're going to go after your guys. That's one way you do it is you have the heavyweights. It's not as prevalent as it used to be, as you know, Jeff, but it does still happen. I don't, I think preseason fighting is ridiculous. Me too. And, yep. You know, it, 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 you're right. Even if a guy's trying to make the team, that's not the time to do it, but no. uh, it, it it's really unfortunate. I understand that the last night he was okay, but you never know with concussions, right? Next day and the day after it could be bad too. Yeah, and he is a he's a piece of the Oilers puzzle this year. So let's get to it, Al. Let's sort of preview the NHL. You know, at the start of each season, a crush performance style. We look at the teams, the players, and the storylines. And again, there's so much to watch here. So so maybe I'll just throw a couple ideas at you here from from my perspective. I'll just I'll just tell you the teams I'm watching, and I won't get into really why with each one, but just some of the teams I'm going to watch this year. I'm going to be watching Tampa Bay because I just want to see how, how can a team be so good for so long. Like They're just so impressive. Um, the Golden Knights, of course, since they came into the league, have just been a fascinating experiment in, in 
organizational performance. Um, watching the Leafs, because the Leafs, I think, is it a do-or-die season for the Leafs? They've been under pressure to have some success. And last year, they got close. We're watching the Oilers, uh, of course, because uh, they're on the cusp, I think, of doing some great things with a couple of the best players in the game. But I'm really watching uh, the Colorado Avalanche. And I'm not sure why, but I've got this little itch about the Avalanche. And, of course, the Kraken, the new team, uh, new kids on the block are going to be fun to watch. So those are sort of my lineup for the teams, Al. Um, anything, any comments on that or anything that you like in the league right now as we head into the season? Well, it's interesting you mentioned Colorado because they would be uh, the team that obviously Tampa Bay won a year ago. But to me, they're a team that is, you know, there's a there's a thing that happens for organizations where they reach a point where everybody agrees they're in the window of opportunity to win. Right. And then what sometimes happens is they don't win and you're like, okay, well, when is this going to happen? And, and there's a, there's a clock that ticks. If you're a fan of sports, there's a clock that begins to tick. And the longer it ticks, the more, uh, not desperate, but the more you're like, okay, when, when is this going to, when is this going to happen here? And for Colorado, like they're not, they're not there yet, but they are on the way to maybe, you know, having to do something special in the next little while, I think they, I think they got to round three a couple of years ago. But if you look at their roster, there there is just so much to like. Yeah. They, they they've done such a good dra- job of drafting, and and you know some of it's luck. I, I think I think Kale McCarr landed in their lap in 2017, and they were lucky there. But you know they're they're built the right way, and they haven't overspent, and and they. They've drafted well, but they've also traded well, and especially, and this is maybe the hardest thing to do, when they go to free agency, they've spent money well, and they've retained the right free agents uh, or or right prospects who are going to get paid a lot of money, Uh, and they've also been able to to keep guys who were maybe high draft picks who turn into role players like Tyson Jost and others. They've done it right. Like If you were looking at a template you know, for baseball, we mentioned Tampa Bay, in, in Colorado, you know, it's very difficult to go to to uh, Puckpedia or Cap Friendly and look at every player on any roster and go, well, they got that guy at a good price. They got this guy at a good price. But in Colorado, you can do that. They they really are excellent at finding players at reasonable prices, whether they are their own players or 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 you know acquired by a free agency or trade. They're able to do that, and it gives them a massive advantage because, it, it, unlike uh, Tampa Bay in baseball, there's there is a salary cap. So if you if you look at how much money they're spending and how much money they're saving and how much they can use, say at the deadline, well, let's say if they're they're loading up and Tampa Bay is loading up, you know Colorado right now is right now they have like three four million in cap room. By the time it gets to the deadline, that'll be ten or twelve million that they can move and, and they're, you know, I, I mean, you can say somebody's overpriced, but not by a lot and, and probably, probably not really. And, and they're, you know, they've, they've been doing this for a while now. And I think, I mean, I thought Joe Sackick was a great player, but I think he might be a better GM. Right. Yeah. I, there's something about that team Al that just, I'm attracted to that team from an organizational performance. I'm really fascinated by this whole thing of, you know, these these teams that can put put it together and make it happen, whether they are at the top of the game. Like I watched I watched Tampa Bay, the Lightning, with man, just revere because I'm going, how are they making this click? There's something special going on inside that organization, I think. 
Um, and I think I'm starting to see something special in Colorado. Okay, we have to cut out for a quick break here. But when we come back, we'll wrap up our preview of the NHL season. And I'm going to challenge Low Tide with his Stanley Cup champion pick. And then we'll turn our sights to the NBA to sniff out who's hot and who's not and what to watch in their upcoming season. And it's all right after this on Crush Performance. Stick around. Find out what it takes to be a top performer. Get the Crush Newsletter, podcast, and performance info at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to our NHL NBA Crush Performance Season Preview. We are joined by our good friend Alan Mitchell, a.k.a. Low Tide. You can follow him on Twitter, at Low Tide, and check out his website, lowtide.ca for tons and tons of great sporting information. Al, we've sort of been breaking down our teams, players, and storylines to watch here in the NHL. And there's one team I wanted to ask you about, and that is the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is a team in one of the greatest pressure cooker hockey markets on the planet, and they've been underperforming, Al. They've got some interesting things going on right now, but the pressure is on, and they need to get it done. Oh, for sure. And they're... I, I, they're interesting to me for a couple of reasons because they're, you know, Matthew, Matthews was drafted in 2016. So their, their window is wide open now, but it should be for the next few years, but they're, they're, they're a little top heavy salary wise. And Tavares is, I think he's 31 now. So he's at a point where those $11 million that are being spent might not be efficient. So far, they've done a pretty good job of finding talent that is inexpensive in goal or on defense where they can cover that off. But every year that you're, you're doing that, you're, you're trading off a player or, or not signing a player that you're replacing. You're, you're taking a risk and they've got Morgan Riley coming up at the end of the year, who is a really good player. And I don't know that they can afford to sign him for what he'll be going for. So in, in Toronto's case, there is some urgency because uh, some of the players that are that are paid, you know, reason I think Brady's making five million, but he's worth more than that to them. They've got to make hay. There's a little pressure there. On top of that, Jeff, as you know, in Canada, there's a lot of pressure. People want immediate results, yeah. and and there's you know, Dubas, who I I I followed his uh, his career back to to the OHL and Sault Ste. Marie. I think he's a really bright guy. And I think a lot of his ideas are are strong, and I like his the the procurement, the drafting that they do. But but he's also running a little bit of a risk in that a lot of his ideas are new and not traditional. And the longer he goes without winning, uh, the more the cynical side of hockey, which is often older and and with the money, like IE ownership, they they become less and less convinced. So. Since Lou Lamorello left Toronto, his reputation has increased in New York, and Kyle Dubas is under the gun. Neither man has won the Stanley Cup, but I think I think Dubas is under more pressure because of the city he's in and because of the top-heavy nature of, of the roster. Yeah, no, it's an interesting one. Yeah, the pressure is on there for sure. So it's going to be fun to watch those guys, Al. 
Hey, I wanted to ask you as well about uh, the new kids on the block. You know, we're watching all the movement in Major League Baseball, and the commissioner of Major League Baseball has said in a couple in a couple of his addresses to the public that they are seriously considering two expansion teams. So that could open up two very exciting new markets. Expansion's always an interesting one for me. So for the, for the Seattle Kraken first year, um, is there anything intriguing? I, they don't quite seem like the Golden Knights coming into the league, but um, they really did a good job in the expansion draft, don't you think? Yeah, I, I think people are, are kind of uh, disappointed, or there's a lot of people who are disappointed because they expected Golden Knights Volume 2. But, you know, NHL general managers, they saw a lot of things go sideways for themselves. The Florida Panthers created really good players to uh, to Vegas so they'd stay away from some players. And it backfired because the players who were acquired uh, turned out to be very good and the players who were protected maybe not as good. One thing to always keep in mind with expansion is that they have something valuable, the Kraken do, uh, to offer a player the previous team didn't have. And I'll use as an example uh, somebody like Mason Appleton, uh, who's on the the roster for the for the Kraken. Uh, and and Mason Appleton played uh, NHL hockey, good young player, but he didn't get the opportunities uh, in Winnipeg that he would have uh, if he had been a feature player, like power play and penalty kill at 20 minutes a night. Well, he'll get that. So. I think some it, it's easy to, to monitor or measure in baseball when a guy goes from 200 at-bats to 600 plate appearances. Obviously, he's getting more of a push. But in hockey, we sometimes don't think that way. So Appleton in Winnipeg was a role player, third-line guy. Maybe he'd move up with an injury. But in Seattle, he has a chance to really grab a job and a big job where he's getting power play time. And so his numbers could really jump and people will say, boy, those jets, they didn't know what they were doing when they, <laughs> when they really did. But, but you're not gonna, you're not going to take Nick Ehlers or, or Blake Wheeler out of that job to give it to Appleton. You've got established players and Seattle is looking for established players. And they're basically giving six skill forwards, top two line time. And those guys, and I think, you know, Jaden Swartz, Yanni Gord, Everly, I think those guys are locked and loaded, but a guy like Appleton could, could get a piece of that pie and he could really spike and people will say, Wow, I can't I didn't know that was going to happen. The opportunity is there because he's going to get the feature minutes, which is sort of like Major League Baseball at bats. Yeah, I like it. I'm telling you, I'm actually really excited about the uh, new fan bases as well. You know, Vegas is Vegas, which is huge. Uh, but to have a NHL team in Seattle, I think is really, really good for the league. Plus, very cool logo, I believe. Oh, <laughs> on yeah. On top of it all. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love the logo. Hey, Al, so before we get to your home stomping grounds of the Oilers, is there anything else in the league you're really got a, your your finger on the pulse of that you're watching for this upcoming season? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? I, the noise happened here. I wasn't able to hear it. So, so Al, before we get to your home stomping grounds of the Oilers, um, is there anything in the league that you're keeping your eye on that interests you as we roll into the upcoming season? Well, there is, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you there. There are there are two teams I'm watching uh, because I'm. Uh, they're both uh, perceived to be really, really good teams, but but it, it could it could happen for them uh, in a big way when they step up even more. And the two teams are the Florida Panthers, who have have been up and down really since expansion. They were good when they were an expansion team in the '90s, but they've they've sort of uh, uh, been a 
uh, an also ran for a long, long time. They've really done a great job there over the last few years. And I think they're a team. They just signed uh, Barkov, their big guy today, to a long-term contract, $10 million, their captain. And, and they're doing everything right. And, and that market could take off. I know they play in Sunrise. and There's some people who live in Sunrise who don't know anything about them. But that's a good team. And then the other team I'm looking at, and and I'll I'll confess I really do pay attention to uh, analytics. And the one team that is sort of doing what Tampa Bay is doing, you're talking about stolen bases and and that the Minnesota Wild have done some moves since Bill Guerin got there that I would not agree with. Uh, you know, uh, they they're just making moves that I'd go, this is anti what what the common. Uh, wisdom is i don't think this should work and yet it has so maybe it'll be a flash in the pan and maybe they'll fall down but if if garen has discovered something there and, and i think maybe he has then the the minnesota wild who are you know still sort of you know when you think of them you think of jacques lemaire right. they're 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 a different unit now they're they're a different team they're they're running on different you know uh uh premise basically and and when when you see them line up and Kiprasov Kiprasov is such a great scorer but but Erickson Eck is a really good two like a really good two-way center and and they they've done things where they brought in guys who I thought were over the hill and but they're not and and some of that is what Ken Holland has also done in Edmonton but the Minnesota Wild have done really well uh, since Garen got there and and I'm I'm not sure how, like they have, they don't get the kinds of players that I think they should, and yet it's working. So, uh, you, you know, for instance, Cam Talbot was, was, you know, he was basically a journeyman when he got, when they got him. Well, he's played really well for them. And, and, uh, Fiala has played well. Uh, Kaprasov, as I mentioned, is just a, a superstar, but they're getting a lot out of their players and, and they're playing as a team in a way that suggests to me that, that, they could be, they they could be something special there. I'm not saying they would win a Stanley Cup, but they might win a division and surprise people. They're a really good team. Okay, well, very very interesting, and I love that from a, for, you know from the crush standpoint, just that culture, organizational performance side. Okay, the Minnesota Wild are officially on the crush watch list now. Thanks for that one, honestly, because <laughs> that's not a team that I that I've checked off. I was so uh, focused on the Colorado Avalanche as sort of my outlier. Well, not really an outlier, but an up. There's something crazy going on there. So Minnesota Wild, excellent. Okay, let's get to it. The Edmonton Oilers, of course, a team that we've been watching since the GM and coaching change with some of the best young talent in the league. Um, out where are the Edmonton Oilers in? Let's just say their timeline of success here. Well, I think they're. I think this is go time, and and I, I, the only way you would would argue against that is if you're convinced that the older players that Ken Holland is employing, like Duncan Keith and and Mike Smith, don't have it anymore. But we watched them play uh, Thursday night against Vancouver, and both of those guys were excellent. So they're. they're they're in win now mode. That doesn't mean they're going to win the Stanley cup right away. As you know, it, it can take, you know, maybe you win two rounds and you have some frustration, but you tweak and then you go and you push farther. I think they're close. I don't, I would not be shocked if they won the Stanley cup this year. Uh, and, and I know that might sound ridiculous, but I wouldn't be shocked because they have Connor McDavid and Leon dry And those two give you a, a huge advantage over everybody else. But I, I think that, that what Ken Holland did when he got here, was he said, 
I don't have a lot of money, so I've got to bide my time in free agency for two years. And then he said, what I need is uh, uh, a leader on defense, and I need a goaltender who my coach trusts, and that's Mike Smith. And he goes out and gets Duncan Keith. And Holland has a way of not uh, undervaluing older players. And, and you know, I look at it and go, man, he's really overvaluing Duncan Keith. But but he doesn't look at it like that. He thinks Duncan Keith has some some uh, tread left on the tire. And, you know, Jeff, he's bet on this before. He bet on this with, with the same age, uh, Chris Chelios, when he brought him to Detroit. Mm-hmm. And Chelios played brilliantly for him. And so did Dominic Hasek. So his his template is is like Tampa Bay, like you mentioned earlier. It's outside the realm of what maybe analytics would say or or uh, teams traditionally use who want to win. But if it works, then who cares? And and he, I mean, he really has been paid well for trusting veteran players over younger players. Yeah, well, they're certainly fun to watch, Alan. I think they're great for the league. And of course, I'm watching them with great interest. We want them to win just because of everything they've gone through and and being one of those you know shining NHL franchises. So fun to watch. Hey, before we get to our NHL Stanley Cup picks here, Al, I'm going to put you on the spot here and see if you're going to make a prediction. And then you know maybe we'll bet a beer at the end of the at the end of the season <laughs> to see who's closer. But there's one player I did want to talk to. Well, there's actually two players, and we're running out of time. But but I, there's two players I really. Uh, wanted to talk to you about and I just wanted to because because this one particular player I've just found for me is like a Jason Veritek in in baseball when Veritek was you know with the with the Red Sox he was just one of those team leaders that I think every other team looked to to see what a team leader looks like I just wanted to get your impressions of Steve Stamkos and and just his role and influence he has on a team because this guy seems like an incredible incredible team um oh boy what's the word jewel value, leader. There's so many things I'd like to throw that way, but I wanted to get your impressions of Stamkos. I think Stamkos became a more of a leader and the lightning became, they reached a pressure point with Stamkos and, and uh, you know, they, they Tampa Bay over time, it had, you know, rocky moments with uh, Vincent LeCavalier, also with Martin Saint-Louis and, and Stamkos was really heavily rumored to be going to Toronto. I don't remember the summer, but it was the year he signed his big contract. And and he, he had to make a decision. And, and I think once he decided to stay in Tampa Bay and to build the winner there and to be a part of it, I, I think that that the the organization and the coaches and the, the players uh, looked at him as a, like him staying as like a victory as, as like, okay, we, you know, that that's the key. We needed this guy to stay because if this guy stays, we're, we're on our way. And what happened was by the time they won their Stanley cup, Stamkos went through a series of injuries and you could say, well, you know, he wouldn't be as much of a leader, but I don't buy that. I don't think that I think Stamkos has been a leader all down the line, even when he wasn't playing and, and the, the, the organization has been very efficient with their dollars, and he's he's been on the team. He's been a part of the team. He's been a big part of the team. Sometimes he's hurt, but all all down the line, his stamp of approval when he signed and when he committed was a big deal for that franchise. And and I think in a way they're healthier now than they've ever been. Yeah, and and I get the same feeling out. I think that he is. There's just he has some influence there when he is present 
um, things go well. Like even when he was injured, like he was there and he was present. He didn't, he didn't fly off and leave the team. He stayed there with the team. And I think that really meant a lot. There's just something about him that I think is, is really, really valuable in terms of a leadership and influence on that organization. And, and again, that's just the power of a player, boy, boy, getting, you know, everybody talks about character and the intangibles and all of these things. They're out there. They really truly are. And sometimes they don't show themselves till maybe a bit later. Al, the last player before we uh, make our picks here and hopefully get to some NBA uh, um, preview as well. I just want to quickly just touch on the K, uh, Carey Price uh, scenario here. Uh, this is a human story. Yeah, it, it's, you know, Carey Price uh, is, uh, he he has reached a long time ago, I don't know when, but he reached icon status where where he is, a, a, even if you don't cheer for Montreal, uh, even if you're you're not necessarily you know, the sort of person who pays close attention to goaltenders. He, he just has touched everybody in the game for lots of different reasons. Uh, he's a great player, obviously, but he's done, done great, good deeds in his time as well. And, and his, his presentation of himself as a person uh, is, is all class and, and it's real, it's genuine. So, so I don't know, I never, it never occurred to me that he would, would enter the program, but the way it was done and the way his family rallied around and the emotional response from, from, uh, management in Montreal, it, it, none of it surprises me, but I, my overwhelming feeling is, and I think most hockey fans are, are feeling the same way is I, I just feel really badly that, that Carey Price is going through this because he's given a lot, like a lot to people and to, to lots of different organizations. And he's given a lot of his time and he's obviously played very well. So, so whatever it is, and I don't want to know what it is ever, but I, whatever it is that has him in this spot, uh, I, I hope that, and I'm glad that the NHL is doing this and they have this available because this is no longer about hockey, this is about life, yeah. and and uh, Carey Price is is like I think he's a universally loved guy in a in a sport where people hate everything <laughs> unless it's their team. I think he's just one of those people who has transcended the sport and become something much larger. And and you know, I, I, it's perfect that he's in Montreal. I uh, there was talk of him going through expansion with Seattle, and I I never understood. I never got that because to me, Montreal. One of the the real top tier high franchises, and he's there. Uh, it made sense to me, and I remember when Ganey drafted him, people were like aghast that they they took him that high. But he said, "No, you know, he's the best player on the board. We're taking him," and and he was, and he is, and and he's a great person too. So I I hope he. I hope he does very well with whatever he's going through. I know his family will be there for him, and I know fans will be too. Yeah, I'm with you there, Al. We're all wishing him the very, very best. And a quick return back to the game that he loves so much. Uh, We know it's such a big part of who those guys are for sure. Okay, we have to cut off for a quick break here, everybody. When we come back, we will pick our NHL Stanley Cup champions and we'll preview the NBA season, looking at the teams, players, and storylines we're going to be watching this year. Stick around. Lots more to come on Crush Performance right after this. You're listening to Crush Performance with Jeff Crushell. Get the Crush podcast, newsletter, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Hey, if you want to reach out, get to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at crushperformance is the email. Questions, comments, smart remarks, get to us. If you have something you'd like us to investigate or if you need a little bit of help with something, let us know. Here's what we say. If we don't have the answer, I can guarantee to you in our network of people that we've uh, crossed paths with over the years, we will find that answer and get it to you for sure. And we answer every message we get. So please do contact us. All right, we are previewing the NHL and the NBA season here with our good friend, crush favorite, Alan Mitchell, a.k.a. Low Tide. You can follow him at Low Tide on Twitter and check out his website, lowtide.ca. Al, I think we've done a pretty good job of breaking down the league as we head into the season here, but there's one mighty task left, and that's to crown or at least pick who we feel is going to take it all and win that Stanley Cup. If you were to step outside of the box right now and throw down a prediction, who would you be picking to win the Stanley Cup this year? I, I would pick the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, I think they're, I think they're maybe a little late for it. I think they, they probably, in the last couple of years, if if they had been, what we'll call normal years, it would have happened before. I think they might have to add a goaltender uh, to help Kemper because injuries could occur already have there, uh, but but they're just they're so loaded. They're just so loaded, and and you know they 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 have had some poor luck. Uh, Nazem Kadri has to <laughs> cannot get suspended. Uh, everybody's got to stay healthy. But I think they win the Stanley Cup, and I I do think they'll breeze through the West. I think it'll be a tough final, but they'll breeze through the West. Okay, damn it. Well, that's my pick. So there goes our bet for the beer. So now Sorry. I have, yeah. <laughs> well, great minds think alike and all that jazz, right? I think I had the avalanche as well. So just to just to make things interesting, I am going to go with my with my dark horse. I'm going to go with the Edmonton Oilers. Okay. Oh. And, and so because they're my pick, they're my hoping dark horse uh, here on the crush platform. So so we'll we'll wager our bet on that. The Oilers versus the Avalanche to see who goes farther or goes all the way. It'll be an exciting year regardless, Al. Really thank you for your time on that. Hey, really quickly, just on the NBA sure. now. Um, you know, because uh switching gears, we got another exciting season on the on the horizon. And the NBA is a fascinating league to me. One, because I don't follow it that closely. But when you do just sort of, you know, watch it from the outside, there are these shining stories. So, you know, of course, from the player standpoint, I'm watching Zion to see if he can come back, be injury free and really impact that organization. LeBron. I'm really interested this year though, to see how Lowry does in the next phase of, of his career. Are there any players that really sort of um, uh, you gravitate to, or you're watching this upcoming season now? Well, I'm a, I'm a 76ers fan. So I I'm, I'm interested in, in uh, Joel Embiid because I think he's, he's such a unique player, <laughs> excuse me. And, and I think, He's a player who uh, he could lead his team to a championship. I don't think the 76ers are there, partly because of the Ben Simmons situation, which is so wild. It would take two hours to to explain or to describe. <laughs> right. But but it's a big deal. Um, I, I'm I guess the the best for me the story that would be I just the Nets are so interesting to me, yeah. and and we for lots of reasons. But I I. I feel like the the Nets are a story that is really worth covering this year because of where they were a year ago uh, and and where they could be 
you know, in the coming years. So the Nets would be a story that I'm looking at. Obviously, the Lakers, uh, Golden State out west are interesting. Denver, which was a fascinating story this year. Um, I, I'm hoping because I, I, I feel like Oklahoma City gets forgotten about. I'm hoping, I'm hoping they show up and do something. But it's, it's, it feels wide open again, right? Like it feels that because the NBA is, uh, uh, a uh, league where you can have true dominance, but I last year and the year before we started kind of like a, a cleansing, and I and I think we're we're looking at. I mean, I heard somebody the other day say that they were looking forward to the Knicks season, which I haven't heard that since the '80s. So <laughs> uh, I, I think there's a new hope in a lot of cities uh, in the NBA, and it's such an exciting game. And, and they're the, the new players that are coming in are are like just dynamite. And that's, you mentioned Zion. I mean, there's, 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 there's so many stories in the NBA that, that by, I'm going to say by Christmas day, when I'm watching them, I'm sure it'll be all, you know, up to, upside down and turned around, but I haven't even mentioned the Celtics who are also interesting. It's going to be a blast. It really is. And the one thing about the NBA that fascinates me, of course, the roster size is small, but the impact of players, one player on a team oh, yeah. can make such yeah. a difference if it gels. You know, you guys said something on your show uh, the other day. It might have been earlier today. I can't remember who you were talking with, but, you know, uh, it was about a GM that's saying, hey, look, everybody wants great talent, you know, but the goal is to put together a great team. That was off of your show, uh, yeah. um, I think, earlier today Al, when I was listening. And, and that's something for me in the NBA that, that really uh, connect, connected with me, thinking about the NBA. I am watching the Brooklyn Nets. They're our number one, the crush number one team to watch again this year. And, of course, Steve Nash, watching a great player oh, turn into an incredible coach. Um, I was watching that for that very reason, to see if he could pull it off, because I really wanted him to. What an incredible sportsman <clears throat> he is, and I mean across all platforms. It, it's great. And the, the NBA is... It, and I think part of it is because the players have more control. Yeah. But but you look at Kyrie, who I don't think I don't even know if he can practice in preseason. Uh, but that story alone is like is just massive, and and he is such a great player, and and can have a, a, a no, enormous impact. Like hockey, McDavid plays. You know, even if he's playing like a, a enormous minutes, he'd play something less than half a game. But in the NBA, when you're on the floor, you you play a lot of minutes and you can dominate. It's just the nature of the game. So somewhere out there, we'll know within a month, there's a rookie on some team who is going to blast through, and that'll be a great story too. Yeah. But the, the Nets have so much going on you know, right now, uh, and, and for me, they'll be the lead story. I'm going to say Christmas Day, they'll be the lead story. Yep, I agree. Hey, I'll really quickly as we wrap up here, uh, just your thoughts on the Raptors, the post-Lowry. I mean, they're kind of in a very interesting thing. Again, the COVID last year, they dealt with a lot of the issues the uh, Blue Jays did, you know, with home turf and playing abroad and all this sort of stuff. Um, the Raptors are now sort of reshaping themselves. Uh, any thoughts on them in this upcoming season? Well, I think people should believe in them. They're yeah. they're they're well-coached and they're well-managed. They're, they're not... Um, you know, they're, they're going to, they're not going to be the team you saw, right. They're going to be a different team when they have success again, they're going to be a different team, but, but it'll be built on what they have and what the coach sees that they can, they, they can, uh, flourish with. And, and that's why I like, I think, I think fans of teams, they look at the players, 
but they actually should look at the ownership. Is it stable? And then management, is it stable? And then coaching, is it stable? Because if you have those three things, no matter what you have on the floor, they'll find a way to win. And I think the Raptors are, are, you know, they, what were they? 27 and 45. I'm not saying they're going to flip it, you know, year over year, but they're, they're, they're on their way somewhere. And it's somewhere interesting because they're drafting great athletes. They're turning them into great players. And, and I think they'll be innovative and they'll be fun to watch, but it will be in a different way based on their personnel. Yeah. I really, really appreciate that. The ownership coaching staff and, you know, down the line, that's organizational performance, right? Um, yep. I, I know the NBA is a little more difficult for me. I am really rooting for the Brooklyn Nets to go all the way. So they're my team. I'm picking out. Do you have, do you have somebody you like in the NBA this year to, to go all the way? If, if, if you can predict, if you can predict that far out. Well, I, I mean, I, I, you know, look, I would love, <laughs> I would love for the 76ers to do it. And they, they won a lot of games last year. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like they, they were, were, you know, terrible, but they're, they, they can't get through the playoffs and that's, that's really the problem. So like, I, I think the Nets are interesting. The Lakers are always interesting. I, I do believe, uh, that, that it seems like we've been coast to coast a lot over the last number of years. And I'd, I'd like to see a Midwest team win, but I like, I have a hard time getting off the Nets too, because I, I just think they're so compelling and, and I'll put it this way. If the Nets play optimal they'll win right. that's a fact and yeah. and i and i think they will i think they're they're professionals and, and the, there'll be a lot of stories and a lot going on but i i'm a massive fan of that team right now i think they're gonna i think they're gonna win it yeah yeah me too all right al hey thanks so much for your time today we could talk for hours there's no doubt about it everybody you can follow al on twitter at low tide check out his website lowtide.ca Really appreciate your insights here. Uh, it's fun to talk about sports in this sort of, uh, you know, from this angle and, and get some insights into how teams are operating and how uh, individual players really, really are valued, you know, when it comes to organizational performance. Well, I appreciate you having me on. And I will say this, that if, if the Edmonton Otters win the Stanley Cup and I have to buy you the beer, it will be the best beer I ever bought for anybody. Put it that way. <laughs> okay. Hey, I'm going to hold you to it. It's on, Al. It's on now, my friend. Okay. Thanks right. a lot, Al. Really appreciate it. All right, Jeff. You have a good one. You as well. Well, there you go. You know, I'd like to call Alan Mitchell a crush favorite, but I'm going to go one step farm. I think we're going to officially put Alan Mitchell, a.k.a. Low Tide, into the Crush Hall of Fame. Man, it just got to appreciate the perspective, the insights, and just the way he approaches sport is just, it's a relief. You know, you rarely find low tide harping on the negatives. He's always trying to look at, hey, what's positive and how can things work better? And that's what I love. In this conversation, you know, one of the things we love at Crush Performance is trying to get a better understanding of how these organizations are operating to create success, whether they're whether they're on a rebuild phase, sort of going down, or whether they're coming back up and what they're going to do, or whether they're sustaining success. There are key things going on inside these organizations we can learn from. And the players are a big part of it. The storylines are a big part of it. But one thing Alan Mitchell said here that I think was really, really important is the idea of the hierarchy. Listen, if you're going to look for a successful organization, you look for ownership, you look for coaching, and you look for consistency. And if those things are in place, like Al said, you know, no matter what happens, you know, in that locker room, you're going to find a way to win. You have to have those constants, though, that foundation to build off of. And, and I thought that's a great, great perspective. So I want to thank Al Mitchell for his insights today. There you go. The 
the annual Crush NHL NBA season preview with Alan Mitchell. Fantastic stuff. Okay, everybody, coming up next week on Crush Performance, it is episode number five of our Crush War on Sugar Science of Sweetness series. It's called Hijacking Your Brain. We're going to be looking at food control and brain energetics and how the food you eat impacts not just your body and your performance, but also your brain. Some fantastic information coming up next week with Dr. Anduis Allen, Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute in Washington, D.C. You do not want to miss this episode. It is going to be a doozy. So until then, get out there, have some fun, stay safe, and get a little better. Talk to you next week right here on Crush Performance. I'm Jerry P. Tuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>